You're listening to The Cutting Edge, presented by Hilleberg the Tentmaker. This is Petra Hilleberg, President and CEO of Hilleberg the Tentmaker. For over 45 years, we have specialized exclusively in building strong, lightweight tents and in never compromising on quality of materials or construction. From the very beginning, we have been family-owned and family-run. Our tents have become the go-to choice for discerning outdoor adventurers all over the world, and especially for those who travel in challenging terrain and conditions and who demand utter reliability from their equipment. Conceived and developed in northern Sweden, our tents are made in Europe, built to last, and offer the ideal balance of high strength, low weight, ease of use, and remarkable comfort. This is Dougal McDonald, editor of the American Alpine Journal. Today we'll be talking about Latak 1, a 7,000 meter plus blade of granite and ice in Pakistan. Until this year, Latak had only been climbed once before, in 1979, by a Japanese team that followed a route up the south side of the mountain. One year earlier was the so-called Magnificent Failure, when four American climbers, Jeff and George Lowe, Jim Danini, and Michael Kennedy, very nearly climbed the spectacular North Ridge. They retreated only when Jeff Lowe became desperately ill. Since then, despite many attempts, no team had ever gotten higher. In fact, the mountain itself had never seen a second ascent by any route. That was the scene this past summer when three teams arrived on the Choctaw Glacier below Latak's north face. Two from Russia and the Slovenian-English trio of Alesh Chesin, Luka Straja, and Tom Livingstone. Soon after these three arrived at base camp, a terrible drama began unfolding high on the North Ridge. Russian climbers Sergei Glasinov and Alexander Gukov had reached a point somewhere near the top of the mountain after 10 days of climbing. One of them believed they had reached the summit. The other thought they were not quite there when they started back down. Sorting through the details afterward, it seems most likely the two Russians reached the top of the North Ridge, but not the summit of Latok, which would have been at least several hours away. Either way, it was a brilliant effort. During their descent, however, disaster struck as Glasinov fell off the mountain during a rappel. Gukov was left stranded on a tiny perch on the face at around 6,200 meters, with almost no supplies and in continuous storms. Nearly a week later, a bold rescue by Pakistani military pilots plucked Gukov from the face and saved his life. We've not been able to set up a live interview with Alexander Gukov, but his story in this climb will be featured prominently in the next AAJ. Meanwhile, the English and Slovenian trio were still trying to prepare for their own ascent. They had devised a cunning plan for climbing the mountain from the north side without risking the uncertainties of the upper north ridge, which had shut down so many teams before. Instead, they planned to climb about two-thirds of the ridge and then angle rightward to reach the high call between Latak 1 and 2. After crossing this call, they hoped to find easier ground leading to the summit. Their plan worked to perfection, and on August 9th, Alesh Chesin, Luka Straja, and Tom Livingstone completed only the second ever ascent of Latak 1, four decades after the first. Two days later, they were safely back in base camp. I spoke with Luka at his home in Slovenia and Tom at home in the UK in mid-August, shortly after they had returned from Pakistan with the climbing world still buzzing about what exactly they had done 
and what exactly had happened with the Russian climb. Tom and uh, Luca, welcome to The Cutting Edge. Thanks very much for doing this interview. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having us. Among the three of you, whose idea was this? Whose idea was it to attempt Latok? I think it's the Slovenians, Luca. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess um, it was me and the Lash. Uh, or actually, I came up with an idea to visit Pakistan. Uh, one more time because I was there in 2011 and the experience was really positive. So actually the first goal was to visit Pakistan and then I started researching and searching for goals and that's what I came up with. <laughs> right. And uh, I know that both Luca and Alesh have been to the Karakorn before, but I, uh, it was this your first trip, Tom? Yeah, this was my first trip to the Himalaya. Yeah. Uh, well, that's not a bad start. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm going to retire now. Um, it was a, <laughs> yeah, it was a very fortunate first trip for sure. I mean, Luca and Alish are very experienced with Himalayan climbing, so they certainly helped, but, um, yeah, I think a lot of stars have to align in the greater ranges, and we got lucky. And how did this team come together? Obviously, Luca and Alish know each other, but how did you, how did you guys get together? Well, uh, Luca, uh, oh, go on, Luca, and, you too. Me and Tom met in uh, Scotland on a international climbing meet, like a winter climbing meet, and uh, the energy there was really good. Like, uh, I really enjoyed that week, although the weather was typical Scottish mix of crap. Uh, and uh, the, But the climbers were really made an impression on me. And we ran into each other with Tom later on in Alaska as well and in Europe. So that's kind of a how... Uh, Tom came uh, into my mind when searching for the third one for the expedition. And when you started discussing Latak, were you looking to attempt the complete North Ridge or were you always thinking about an alternative line from the North? Tom, go. Ah, <laughs> I don't know. Well, I would um, say we always wanted to climb Latok from the north side, from Choctaw, and that was the main goal. And then we wanted to climb in in a good style throughout. So um, it looked like the North Ridge or some of the North Ridge would provide the the way. And I think from the beginning, we always had a, in our minds this idea of, um, well, what if you could make a really good ascent using part of the North Ridge and then traversing to the coal between Latok 1 and Latok 2. So, uh, yeah, I think the idea was always there. And and how do you end up describing the, the route you climbed? I mean, do you say that you climbed the north face of Latok or would you describe it as something else? I would describe it as uh, climbing the Latok from the north side. Usually I say this. So, yeah, yeah from the north side, from Choctaw Glacier. 
All right, so let's let's skip ahead to to base camp. You arrive at base camp on the Choctaw Glacier. You begin acclimatizing, and you find that the Russians are already at work on the North Ridge. Were, were you able to see them from below? Yeah, I think we arrived in base camp, and there were two Russian teams going for the ridge, and uh, so we we witnessed one or maybe two camps. Um, from the Russians, from various teams at various stages. But um, for the most part, the route climbs on the ridge or it's quite complex with lots of mushrooms and cornices and things like that. Or you're climbing on the other side of the ridge from base camp. So for the most part, we didn't see the Russians on the route. And Mm -hmm. it's an interesting thing having someone on the same route as uh, as you obviously you've just flown all the way around the world or halfway around the world and uh, and then someone is on on the climb and you of course we had lots of other um things in mind there's plenty of amazing objectives on the Choctaw glacier so if they'd climbed the route then we wouldn't have been disappointed or anything like that We've not spent years and years trying it. It doesn't belong to anyone. But it was interesting, yes, to have these other teams on the route. You're trying not to be affected by them or think about them and um, not be pressured into making a decision which would be unwise. For example, starting the route... um, even though you weren't fully acclimatized, but because you want to, to be involved to get there to, to start climbing. Mm. So we were very cautious not to start the route early. And um, it, it certainly added an, a, a slight dimension to the decision-making. Should we acclimatize properly? Yes, of course. Okay, so let's just try and forget about the Russians. Um, let's just ignore them and concentrate on what we need to do and 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 in the end of course they had this this you know this major epic with with one of them falling to his death and the other you know the extended rescue uh as they started down did their experience the russian experience and that extended rescue sort of throw off your psych for climbing on the on the north face of of latak or were you able to sort of shake it off (laughs) well of course it would be impossible not to be affected by any by that you would you wouldn't be human if you'd uh if you were unaffected by it uh we sort of tried to be rational and calm throughout we offered all our help to the russians and for the most part uh we talked about it or um we coped with it or sort of dealt with it in our own ways so yeah of course you're affected by it but then ultimately once the whole thing had been concluded, we said, "Are we still keen for the route?" Yes. So we, so we uh, continued with our plans. And how much longer was that after all of that ended, and you know, people were off the mountain and and flown out? Did you have some days afterwards, or was it were you at that point just waiting for the the right weather window? I think two or three days. Mm-hmm. Uh, after the whole thing kind of uh, was concluded, uh, we waited for the snow to kind of shake off 
because when the bad weather came, it actually left quite a lot of snow on the face. So we waited for for some days uh, for the face to clear. Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, of course, I think we also had to process what just happened uh, and try to rationalize our thoughts and just maybe think about the important questions like, do we have enough good weather? Will the conditions be okay? Are we acclimatizing all that stuff? So uh, I think we did a good job in that perspective. And and tell me a little bit then about the game plan for once you were ready to go. Did you you said you anticipated seven days up and seven and seven seven days up and down and and that's what you ended up doing. Did you did you end up packing enough food and fuel for seven full days, or did you kind of go a little short, anticipating you could get by with less? And did you carry a tent for the route? Or what was the sort of basic game plan for for that particular route? Yeah, yeah. So game plan. Um, we took a tent, we planned for six bivvies. I think we took six and a half evening meals worth of food, six and a half days worth of evening meals of food, six breakfasts, as in six days worth of breakfasts. So we aimed to be touching down back on the glacier, day seven, psyched, but slightly hungry. And that's exactly what happened. So uh, necessity sharpens the mind. We we planned for seven days, sort of even at the start of the year, we were talking about, right, being on the route for seven days. We planned in base camp for seven days, and then, yeah, in reality, it, it all worked out like that. It meant that when we were walking back from uh, returning back to the glacier, and we were walking back from the route to base camp, when our uh amazing cook jamil met us with a shopping bag full of um like juice and biscuits it was the best juice i've ever tasted <laughs> yeah yeah i totally agree was it cold enough to climb safely during the day once you started up the route or did you have to climb at night or what was sort of the the, the tactics there or did it vary as you moved up the mountain yeah the the last thing is true for sure uh the Throughout this 2,400 meters, the condition changed. Uh, and of course, in the lower part, for example, on the first day, we started at midnight and climbed basically at night, stopped at around 9 or nine or 10 o'clock in the morning. Even though the weather was fine, we, we said that that's enough for the first day because the sun the sun got uh, to the face and we assumed that the climbing would be not uh, safe enough and also uh, energy inefficient because the snow was getting soft. Mm -hmm. And did you have any bad weather during the ascent or just on that final day going to the summit? Did you have to sit anything out? No, more or less. Uh, it was really okay, except for the summit day and the previous night. Uh, the previous night, uh, it was gray. It was sorry, snowing the whole time, and actually we didn't get much sleep because we had to 
shake off the tent uh, mm. from accumulated snow and uh, actually that was kind of a nerve-breaking i had the same experience in tibet and uh, we we got a really really hard time uh, back then so we just had to flew just ran off the mountain actually and i was already imagining kind of the same scenario happening uh but then in the morning somehow uh everything just got good enough mm -hmm. and we were able to actually go go to the top and and how long it's how many days then did it take to reach the call between latak one and two and and how high is that call did we cross that on the fourth day, I think? Yeah, the fourth. And I don't know the altitude. Six, eight, maybe? No, lower than six, eight. You know, Luca? Uh, uh, six, seven, I think. Okay. Because, yeah, yeah. But oh. around from six, seven to six, eight. Some mm -hmm. kind of like that. So I'm really curious about what you faced once you reached that call and crossed over to the to the other side of the mountain i mean we've all seen all these photos of the north side but few people have seen photos of the other side and i was curious you know how far it was to the top from that call and what the terrain was like and how long did it take to get up to the top and back from your from your high camp um luca and alesh actually really um really usefully found some photos of the south side maybe one or two photos um which had a sort of decent resolution so that we could get a rough idea of what the south side was like and it showed us it was largely snow of a moderate angle and from the coal we could make a, a slight rising traverse uh, rightwards so that's to the east i guess um back towards the summit of latok and uh, at this point in sort of the in the afternoon we were quite tired so we rested for a few hours had some food and some water and then we could see the top relatively closely it was only 300 meters of vertical distance above us um so we thought wouldn't it be amazing if we could avoid this bad weather and go to the top then and there there and then so that would be the uh 8th wednesday the 8th uh, instead well we could see a bivy place as well sort of uh, on the way so we thought we'd get to the bivy and see how we felt as it turns out we were pretty knackered from all the climbing and the altitude so that's when we bivied and then that's when overnight there was some bad weather but it still but took you quite a long time then from that high bivy to get to the summit, um, even though it must have been. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Well, we we left about 11 in the morning because it was sort of the day was improving and clearing. Um, so we left quite late. But yeah, we estimated it. We estimated it would take perhaps three or four hours, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong, Luca, but yeah, we basically thought it wouldn't take too long and it turns out it took a while, partly because of the fresh snow and bad weather and partly because it was really quite high. Yeah. 
And did you return to that same bivouac after from the summit, or did you carry on farther down the mountain that same day? We were only able to reach uh, the previous camp. We were hoping to kind of uh, move our camp to the call, but uh, as Tom said, we were only able to climb to the summit and back to our starting point for the day. Mm -hmm. uh, so this was a, kind of a minor setback in our plan, but we were able to kind of uh, gain it back on, on the next day. Mm -hmm. So the descent, you basically went back the same way that you climbed? Yeah, uh, except yes. in the very last part. So for the last, uh, let's say, 400 meters, we took the uh, rocky rip, the kind of a, the, the sit start of the ridge, <laughs> uh, because it was safer. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's actually really a pain in the ass to abseil down those uh, rocky steps because it's just not steep enough. So sometimes you would uh, have to use like a double 60 meter rope, mm. ropes. Sometimes it would be better just one single rope and the rope gets stuck and you are tired. You are tired. So um, it's, it wasn't the the most pleasant thing to do, but I think in terms of safety, uh, it was the right decision. I, I taught Luca and Alesh a new word, which um, isn't clean enough for this podcast, but it basically described my <laughs> hatred of those upsells. <laughs> they were quite unpleasant, as, as we say. And, yeah, and we learned some new words. <laughs> Did you learn any new words in Slovenian, Tom? Oh, I've already, I've already uh, got a fine repertoire of Slovenian swear words. Yes, yeah, that's about all I can say. Just swear words. Now, I wanted to ask you a little bit about the North Ridge, what you saw, and what you uh, think about what's still to be done there. You know, it, it seems that that the Russians apparently climbed the North Ridge to its top, to some pinnacle on the top of the ridge. Would would you say that that means that that climb has been done or does somebody need to take it to the top of the mountain for the North Ridge to really have been climbed? Tom, you take this one. <laughs> hmm. I would say, oh dear, I would say that a route is uh, not finished until it's taken to the summit. And uh, even though the North Ridge in itself is is predominantly the line, I think in alpinism you kind of have to draw things in kind of black and white when it comes to what's been done and what hasn't been done. So if it hasn't been taken to the summit, then it's not a climb. For example, I did some climbing uh, in Alaska recently and we climbed like to the top of the difficulties, to the end of the wall, things like that. But we didn't climb to the summit, so I wouldn't say it's been done. Um, I guess you might ask, could the North Ridge be climbed? And I would say, yeah, I think it. I think it can. What do you think, Luca? Um, what I think is that uh, one uh, thing that is maybe missing out here is the importance of descent as well so not 
not in terms of <laughs> this particular yes. climb, but maybe just more in terms of being philosophic about it. So if you really promote just going up and neglect coming down uh, alive and well, uh, that leads to maybe more like suicidal type of climbing. Uh, still, I think this was a really big, really big effort from the Russian team. Uh, and I can't say for sure if they climbed it or not, to which point they climbed it. Uh, for me, it's just a really, really big effort uh, by them. From what you saw, because very few people have seen this, in fact, maybe nobody has, uh, once some team crested the top of the ridge, would they be almost there or would they still have a long, long way to go to reach the main summit? It's definitely... When yeah, we no, go, Tom. Go, go, high. go. Well, I was just going to say, when we were quite high near the summit, the visibility was quite poor. So we can't say for sure, but it didn't look like uh, you could follow the ridge very easily and it looked much more logical to um, go onto the south side and traverse across. But I can't remember without looking at photos, but certainly the the section closest to the summit looked reasonable but past that and closer to the north ridge i think it was a bit more complex it almost seemed like your climb because of all the things that were happening on latak this summer it almost seems like your climb got downplayed a little bit like like somehow it wasn't a real success because you didn't climb the complete north ridge and it and it seemed to me like a great success i mean it was the second ascent of the mountain after 40 years and the first time climb from the north side w were you bothered by this uh by the reporting after the news broke and when you you know when the word first started getting out that about what you'd done um i i didn't uh felt like or insulted or downgraded or anything to me actually uh it was more of a test of a community and uh, once we got our first message out which was meant more for our close ones and of course me and Alesh uh, had to report to the Alpine Association because that was kind of the deal uh, I kind of I kind of knew that uh, uh, people will over jump this 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 news because we stated uh, clearly that we climbed from the choctaw glacier to the top of latok and nobody mentioned the north ridge and of course that then everything snowballed and the debate uh started about it mm -hmm. uh, i remember luca lindich writing a good post like guys wait for them to tell what they climbed so that they won't be judged after as kind of a doing some overstates overstatement or things like that and me uh, i mean myself personally i view this climb as a really good climb and 
basically it's my own personal experience of course now it's on the spotlight and we have to do a lot of talking about it but i don't feel uh, affected by kind of uh, all the comments and all the debates yeah i'm not fussed about uh is it uh is it a lesser ascent because we didn't climb the full north ridge i'm not in the slightest bit bothered with what people think by that the the full north ridge is there for people to climb if they want and good luck to them but as luca quite rightly said i think i um had a fantastic time and enjoyed it and it's a a sort of a special memory to me and to those two as well so that's what matters yeah that now that you're back home luca and you've had time to reflect i mean what do you find most satisfying about this climb what 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 do you what do you think you'll remember most maybe the process of overcoming uh this how how can i say it maybe a mind barrier from this side the mountain uh kind of uh refused so many expeditions and uh just overcoming this uh or eliminating uh this history and everything and just look at the climb as it is they take every day and take this small small uh challenges that every day presented and do them one by one and be happy enough that those things added up in a successful ascent. Well, congratulations to you both and I really want to thank you for both both of you for uh for coming on the show. It's been great to talk about it. Thanks for having us. Thank you very much. Thanks so much to Luca and Tom for sharing their story. As we speak, Tom Livingstone is in Kishtwar, India, his second ever trip to the greater ranges. He's hoping to climb a stunning north wall. Thanks also to Hilleberg the tent maker for making the cutting edge possible. Before I leave, I want to change the subject and encourage everyone listening to see the Don Wall and Free Solo movies. It's an extraordinary thing for two climbing films to be playing in mainstream movie theaters at the very same time, and for both of them to be really, really good. It probably won't happen again for many years. Make the effort to see both films on the big screen. They are spectacular. Until next time, this is Dougal McDonald, editor of the AHA, wishing you happy climbs.